Welcome to African Insight, a weekly program that focuses on infrastructure projects across the African continent. Have they lived up to their promises? Who will benefit? How and more? All here on African Insight. Welcome to African Insight. My name is Derek Mazaruda, and on the show, we evaluate infrastructure projects done on the African continent and also African development issues directly or indirectly related to infrastructure projects across the African continent. There is a wide recognition today that international trade and the effective participation of countries in the global economy is influenced by a host of factors besides levels of tariffs and quantitative trade restrictions. These other factors include prominently the availability and quality of infrastructure, infrastructure investment that reduces trade costs, promotes competitiveness and facilitates regional economic integration. Numerous studies have shown the importance of the provision of adequate quality infrastructure in determining trade performance of developing countries. In the 15th century, trade was significantly notable in Africa with the use of camels helping shape the routes for trade. An analogy can be drawn. Today we have infrastructure as a blueprint designer of trade mobilization and operationalization. African states have conglomerated for trade in order to integrate integral values of trade by forming the African Continental Free Trade Area AFCFTA so to boost the African socio-economic base. Joining us today on the show to assist with measuring the feasibility of the concerted venture are both of Cameroonian descent, Jacob Agua, an international trade lawyer and founder of Dayspring Law Firm and Bill Bezidra, an international trade and investment law consultant based in Lyon, France. Jacob and Bill, welcome to the show. Jacob. Thank you for having me, Derek. It's a pleasure to be a part of your show. Bill. Thank you, Derek, for having me on the show. I'm, I'm honored and privileged uh, to be here, sharing my opinions with you and your listeners today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Considering the issues of infrastructure to be wide and all-encompassing, what is uh, your perception of the African continental free trade area concept and venture? What does it seek to achieve? And how is it going to change uh, African states socioeconomically and the lives of ordinary people considering uh, GDP per capita and uh, anything positive uh, you can include uh, since its formation? Jacob, you can get us started. Thank you, Derek. That's an interesting question. So the African Continental Free Trade Area is put in place by the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. 
So this agreement has been a long time coming. Uh, its negotiations uh, had, had taken place since 2012. But before mm-hmm. 2012, the groundwork for this agreement had been laid uh, through regional economic uh, communities that were set up in various parts in Africa. Uh, after, two, after, after a summit in 2012 by the African Union member states, a decision was taken for parties to negotiate this agreement and negotiations were supposed to uh, wrap up by 2017. Uh, they eventually finished in 2018 and the agreement was signed by an overwhelming majority of African Union member states, 54 as at now, and it has been ratified by 28 countries uh, with Cameroon and Angola uh, wrapping up the uh, already ra- Cameroon and Angola have already wrapped up their domestic ratification procedures, and uh, mm-hmm. Nigeria is in the process of uh, commencing its uh, domestic ratification procedure. So um, this agreement, uh, it's uh, one of the biggest economic moves Africa has ever made as a continent because uh, it will create a, a single uh, market in Africa, something that was hitherto uh, uh, absent. And it will also be a a platform where there will be free movement of goods, free movement of persons, free movement of services, as well as free movement of investment and capital across the continent. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's something important I should highlight here is the fact that uh, Africa has a population of 1.3 billion people, but has only succeeded to trade amongst itself uh, at a percentage of 19% something that is really, really low compared to a, a continent like the European Union, where uh, they have a population of 500 million, but trade amongst themselves at uh, 60% as per uh, WTO figures. So it's been projected by the uh, uh, by the World Bank and other inter- multilateral organizations that this uh, agreement will boost African trade to about 59 to 60% as well mm-hmm. as it would uh, alleviate uh, at least 30 million people from extreme poverty. And uh, also it will create uh, a, a groundwork for a custom union in the future where Africa will become a custom union like the European Union and will be able to negotiate their agreements as a bloc. Thank you, Jacob. The informal sector remains peachy and some parts of the formal sector are somewhat grey uh, describe the state of the trading platform on the continent, balancing your response between the roles of the formal and informal uh, uh, sectors. What aspects of the African continental free trade area are likely to formalize the informal sector through the provision of reformed trade policies? Jacob? Yeah, so Derek, the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, as it is now, contains three main protocols. So you have the protocol on trading goods uh, that would govern uh, trading goods across the free trade area. You have the protocol on trading services that will govern uh, the trading services across the free trade area. And then you have a dispute settlement protocol, which uh, is a dispute settlement mechanism set up very, very similar to the WTO dispute settlement mechanism that member states can use to settle disputes that arise as a result of the agreement. Uh-huh. Um, the techniques uh, put in place by this uh, agreement are very similar to te- techniques of every free trade agreement around the world. Uh, free trade agreements that have been signed by uh, 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 major uh, blocks like the European Union and uh, other major countries like the United States, uh, the, the agreement follows a, a similar pattern. So. Uh, 
how does how would this now help uh, the formal and informal sector? So when negotiations are done for 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 free trade agreements or for any trade agreement, there is what they call uh, uh, concessions and commitments. Uh-huh. Concessions are made for goods, while commitments are made for services. A concession uh, for goods is uh, that member states negotiate each product in the world, like every single product you know. They negotiate the amount of tariffs or, or no tariffs that will be paid on those products. Why, when it comes to services, the commitments are made as per sector. So, for example, the construction sector, the, uh, the, 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 the finance sector, the insurance sector, the, the, the business sector, and every other sector, commitments are made, each state says. And how is this going to help the informal sector? For example, um, the informal sector in Africa uh, mostly deals is mostly small and medium-sized businesses as well as agricultural, uh, uh, the, the agricultural industry. Um, uh, uh, lowering the tariffs substantially and removing the barriers, so non-tariff barriers to trade, mm-hmm. would enable or would facilitate uh, a, a small and medium-sized businessman in Cameroon to export easily uh, to a, a country in Nigeria without going through a lot of uh, 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 difficulties at the borders, a lot of uh, uh, customs requirements and custom duty requirements. Opinions of infrastructure that plays a direct role in trade are somewhat varied. What kind of trade-related infrastructure is in- entailed and what is the bankability of such infrastructure? Please also mention other key components involved and how crucial they are to small businesses and community-based projects. Bill? And it's important to note that each country has a, a trade policy that is based on two key aspects or two key foundations. Number one foundation is an export-led industrialization strategy. Mm-hmm. Second, a domestic market-led industrialization strategy that is usually based on uh, import competition. Therefore, if a nation has these two foundations of trade-related policies or strategies, it is inevitable that uh, infrastructure development comes in hand-in-hand with a uh, trade policy like this. Therefore, industrialization or infrastructure development based on uh, uh, free trade agreement is quite inevitable in this policy and uh, Africa continental free trade agreement. Mm-hmm. Well, for the, to begin with, Trade based on goods needs logistics, real network, ground transport, and uh, therefore development of these networks domestically contributes to the infrastructure development of each country. Secondly, apart from this physical infrastructure development towards trade, there's uh, the infrastructure based on telecommunication, banking, ICT, finance, and that is quite important. Like mm-hmm. the 5G net telecommunication network is quite an infrastructure development that is inevitable and indispensable in the future. Jacob? You see, Derek, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Uh, in infrastructure and industrialization uh, are, is one of the uh, main sustainable development goals, uh, mm-hmm. which really, really relates a lot to Africa because uh, Africa, as one of the richest continents in the world, is still highly uh, underdeveloped and uh, in the infrastructure is still very poor. But um, uh, an initiative such as the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, which has its, as its objective, 
improving or increasing the sustainable development goals or achieving them would play a vital role towards uh, the achievement of a sustainable development goal of infrastructure and industrialization in Africa. Experts will be able to move from different parts of Africa to go to other parts of Africa and assist in construction projects. Yes. Capital will be able to move from different parts of Africa to other parts of Africa for construction projects, as well as uh, Africans will be able to invest in their continent uh, and across borders, uh, invest in different parts of Africa across borders in major projects such as uh, 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 construction, uh, industrialization projects, and, and, and so on. The global value chain aspect or the uh, supply chain aspect, a product is made from different small pieces there will be parts of that uh, of, of a supply chain of uh, in Africa that would need smaller medium-sized companies as well uh -huh. as uh, the parts of it that would need major companies to come in uh, to, 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 to handle the projects and also um, the, the, the young population of Africa provides a, a ready labor force, which is very important for these infrastructural projects. And the ease in their movement across the continent, which is something I think it's being negotiated to create uh, 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 some sort of an African Union passport, something yes. in the long run. And um, we would not have to rely very much on uh, Western expertise all the time, as we usually do in Africa. We'll be able to source experts from different uh, uh, parts of the continent. For example, there are a lot of Africans who are very, very intelligent and smart who have moved to different parts of the world would be coming back because they would find it easy to do business within their society uh, and they'll be able to contribute with, for example, engineering projects, things that mm -hmm. we need very much right now. And uh, maybe their services will not be as expensive as retaining a Western or a major uh, a Chinese or American company to handle the projects for us. Exciting. Looking at the positive response to intensifying industrialization in Africa is the multiplier potential of the African continental free trade area plausible in catering for all African economy industries and which industries are likely to realize profits ahead of others and why? Jacob? Various industries would grow rapidly. For example, we will, uh, the agricultural industry, which is uh, one of the uh, main uh, industries in Africa, would see a boost because there will be a, 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 there will be trade uh, a, the trade uh, with, of agricultural products just inside Africa and the transformation mm -hmm. of these agricultural products inside of Africa would boost the agricultural industry, something that they've been struggling with. Um, many of our agricultural industries rely on government subsidies all the time for them to be competitive abroad, but this time around they'll be able to compete abroad because uh, they'll be able to produce uh, 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 cheap, uh, producing, uh, cheaply uh, transform or into final or semi uh, uh, semi uh, final products before they can maybe export to third countries like in Europe and uh, the, uh, the uh, China and the United States. Mm -hmm. There will be a, a, a value chains that will spring up across the continent, making uh, uh, it easier for uh, major projects, major infrastructural projects, to uh, uh, and industrialization projects to, <clears throat> to be carried out easily. And also, you have uh, the services industry like uh, banking and finance. Uh, how you would see more uh, intra uh, more uh, multinational banks in Africa move uh, across borders, something that it's still uh, very complicated. For example, yes. we have more Western banks in Africa than we do have African banks amongst uh, their uh, respective uh, uh, trading partners. Uh, as a Cameroonian, I have uh, uh, 
more Western banks in my country uh, than I have uh, uh, my banks from neighboring countries in, 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 in Cameroon. The same goes for insurance. The same will go for, 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 for uh, every other sector. You have elaborately highlighted the agricultural sector as a core source of the informal sector. What do you think has attributed to this? Outdated technical approach, perhaps? And what about the mining sector? Don't you think it's accountable to a greater degree? That is a fair assessment, Derek. Uh, the reason why uh, agriculture continues to be an informal, uh, the informal agriculture continues to be uh, the norm in Africa is because uh, many uh, uh, Africans still produce food for subsistence. They don't produce for, for sale. Uh, uh, the subsistence production of food is the first approach mm-hmm. that Africans take when they're producing, when they get into their farms, and the excess of it is what is sold in the markets. That's what the informal sector is all about. But this does not mean that we cannot improve this into an industrialized or into a business uh, a, a, a venture where Africans can basically live completely off their farms by producing their foods for consumption in the cities where there are a lot of people who don't uh, carry out agricultural activities. Uh, and uh, when you even notice, uh, for example, in Cameroon, which is a big producer of banana, uh, most of the banana produced by multinational corporations in Cameroon are not for domestic markets. They are meant for uh, uh, the EU and for China and for the, and for the United States. Uh, these are things where we have uh, people in, in Cameroon who can do such activities who simply don't have uh, the capital or mm-hmm. the, the, the equipment to get into such uh, uh, a, a professional ventures uh, or pro- a professional production of bananas for for consumption within other within, in other parts of Africa, and also infrastructure has to be taken into consideration. We would have to build stronger infrastructure or better infrastructure such as roads that link the rural areas that are in the informal sector of agriculture with the cities or the main hubs where. Uh, exportation can be done within the free trade area and why not even outside the free trade area uh, and then talking about mining it would have to be a similar approach um, yeah subsidizing artisanal miners is something i would not be able to say uh, would be the case completely but it is something uh, a policy that should be uh, born in mind too we should be able to train our artisanal miners provide them with equipment as well as uh, 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 access uh, such as infrastructural roads and everything so they can produce and sell also within the free trade area because uh, uh, even though Africa has a lot of natural resources, they are not equally distributed. So there are a lot of resources uh, under the earth in different parts of Africa that are needed in other parts of Africa that we would need to uh, empower our artisanal miners to move into industrial mining so that Mm -hmm. they can potentially export within the free trade area and also export uh, uh, to maybe third markets. Thank you for that. Without an inkling of doubt, um, attention to policing in Africa is a luxury with many. What kind of umbrella framework and policing has been put in place to avoid any conflicts and disputes that might arise among states? State for us the likely disputes and where are they going to emanate from with African countries and what are the ways that could be employed to curb their impact. Jacob? So, Derek, you see the way um, international uh, uh, trade uh, functions or international agreements function is that Mm -hmm. um, when you sign up to an international agreement, 
you make an undertaking to tailor your domestic uh, uh, policy and your domestic legislation in a manner that is uh, uh, compatible with these international obligations. When you fail to tailor your domestic policy to, uh, uh, to, 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 to be compliant with your international obligations, Every other member state that uh, is affected by this uh, uh, failure can uh, bring an action against you under that tr uh, treaty or under that agreement to push you to comply with this uh, obligation. Uh, the same goes for the uh, African Continental Free Trade Agreement. So uh, negotiations that have been done uh, at the international level and has now uh, and every member state is now obliged to uh, take steps domestically to yeah. make uh, 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 a domestic policy to uh, to uh, 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 tailor their domestic policy in a manner that is compliant with the African Continental Free Trade uh, uh, Agreement. Of course, you would see a, a, a little bit of a rise in disputes amongst various African countries because there will be certain industries that they will try to protect. It is very normal under international trade. You see it happen all the time, even in the custom union like the European Union. You still see the dispute settlement mechanism there, see cases from various member states of the European Union who come to complain about measures taken by other member states which... Uh, they think are kind of limiting or limiting access into their markets. That will be the same thing that will uh, be, be, be happening. We, we, we cannot avoid that. It will be happening in Africa, in the African continental free trade area. And also another big challenge, which uh, many experts are forecasting, will be challenges on rules of origin. So a rule of origin uh, uh -huh. uh, is, uh, something, is, is, is something that really applies to trading goods because Every good, just like a human being, uh, should have something, I would use a layman's term, like a birth certificate. That birth certificate attests to the origin of that good. So in Africa, with this uh, continental free trade area created, the fears are that uh, 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 goods will be able to be imported from outside of Africa and pass through the continental free trade area as uh, goods made in Africa, even though they are not made in Africa. So uh, member states are, are, are very much aware of that and have been taking steps. And uh, I think the rules of origin uh, uh, are next to the, uh, to the agreement that has been negotiated, uh, kind of contemplates that and try to uh, uh, forecast or maybe uh, um, uh, bear, uh, 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 go ahead of themselves uh, to, to handle similar situations. Each African country has its own cross-border security and customs department. Is the free trade area the perfect bridge for the security gaps among African countries? Can we have a Africa United security and customs establishment dedicated only to the free trade area operations to loosen uh, clearances to be specific? Okay, Derek, that's, uh, that's quite interesting. So, the, the the thing that you need to understand about uh, the free trade area is it's it's gonna create the the whole area would be uh, various countries opening up their markets. So when they say the markets are open, that means products can be exported with within that area, and the clearances procedures are going to be less stringent or less complicated than usual. It's not just only about custom duties or not paying custom duties at all. It's also about trade facilitation. So, for example, um, the, the agreement itself uh, contemplates uh, a trade facilitation uh, uh, documentation that they are negotiating, which will put in place a system where uh -huh. there will be some uniformity in the clearance of products across different uh, uh, parts of the free trade area. So 
If a product is living from one country in the free trade area to another country in the free trade area, the clearance procedures will be pretty much similar or identical. So that framework will be there, which will be administered by the individual states respectively. And then secondly, there is something uh, also that is in, uh, under negotiation is the fact that member states are thinking of uh, creating cooperation in legislation. Uh, so they are going to cooperate in legislating in their various countries in the manner that would uh, create some sort of uniformity of legislation across the, the free trade area so that mm-hmm. there is predictability and security <clears throat> by uh, respective businesses and traders who are crossing borders with their products. Delving a, a little deeper on the same point of discussion, does this mean politics and uh, corruption will stop being a threat to African states and intra-African trade? Where is the African continental free trade area effective in acknowledging the existence of such and how can they be circumvented? Bill? Thank you for the question. Uh, to, be, to answer your question, corruption is not preventable in the context of which we have to say we have to circumvent a potential corruption. The problem primarily for Africa is that because of the uh, cultural and political fragmentation based on uh, previous colonial masters, mm-hmm. the Anglophones, the Francophones think differently in Africa. And even in economic community of West African states, the ECOWAS, the regional bloc in West Africa, there's a clear division between the Francophone-speaking countries and their policies, trade policies, which is geared toward their former colonial masters' favorite potents and contributions like to France and Belgium compared to the British or the other European countries or United States of America for that matter. When it comes to the Anglophone countries as well, their trade policy are geared in favor of their former colonial masters. So the challenge is now, how do we harmonize all these differences culturally, politically and economically and have a one solid harmonized policy under the African Continental Free Trade Agreement that will be very, very effective and a semblance of something mm-hmm. that is effective, devoid of the usual corruption. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. And after the break, we are introduced to special economic zones. What's expected of the African Union Commission in handling ratification procedures and between policies that govern goods and ones governing services, which side is sustainable? Join us after the break. This is African Insight on Channel Africa DSTV 802. Join me, Derek Mazarura, as we journey through the structure beneath the structure, northeast, west, south, and central Africa to find the project, the meaning with the people for the people. Every Wednesday mornings at 8, regional, national, sub-national. From Morocco's North Africa power transmission corridor to the eco-villages in Togo, among many, all here on African Inside Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Jacob and Bill, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Derek. It is good to be back. Well, thank you, Derek, for having me back. It's been interesting so far. We're all learning a bit. And if you're just joining us, we are focusing on the African continental free trade area. 
Africa is gradually experiencing the adoption of special economic zones from China to be precise. This has been common with such countries as Democratic Republic of Congo and the Republic of the Congo. Why is the support of adoptable economic indicators or enablers such as PPPs bail? Thank you for this important question concerning economic trade zones or export processes zones, as it's also known. Uh, it's quite integral and very important in a trade policy or trade agreement in general because creating economic uh, zones or free trade area or economic zones is quite important for a country to develop. And for this matter, for a whole continent, with the ability to create export processes so that will attract foreign investment is mm-hmm. quite commendable. The challenge is that how are we going to harmonize the individual economic processes and policies into a one solid policy that will be beneficial to all investors in Africa? Yes. For example, the Ghana Export Pro- uh, uh, Promotion Council in Ghana, or Ghana Export Promotion Authority, that is now called, with a Ghana Free Zones Authority, we have a Ghana Investment Promotion Center. These are all government agencies geared towards foreign direct investment management. We had export processing zones in Ghana that give uh, uh, incentive to uh, investors in those zones, tax-free to produce and export products, tax-free, or for a couple of years, usually it's 10 years tax-free, and they create income mm-hmm. for the country, create jobs, attract investors, and those things work when it's managed efficiently. Jacob? Let me start with economic zones uh, uh, were, were created uh, by many African countries have adopted this. It's something that we, we took a lot from China. Uh, zones that have been created for, for particular industries to operate in uh, and benefit from certain incentives so, such as lower taxes or zero custom duties. Mm-hmm. But um, these economic zones, uh, or the, the, the African continental will be like an economic zone in the, in, the, in the larger perspective, so an economic zone covering the whole of the continent. It will make it easier for these economic zones now to trade outside of those economic zones per se, but um, access other markets. The, the products from there will be able to be exported uh, through lower tariffs or no tariffs at all to different parts of Africa. And they will be also, uh, find it, they will also find it easy to import uh, other products such as raw material into those economic zones and, and, and boosted their production and, and, and uh, a supply chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to public-private partnerships, uh, uh, we, as, as I discussed earlier, um, uh, uh, the service sector, there the, are the concessions that have been, the commitments that have been, that, that will be made or have been made by various member states of the free trade area, where they open up their uh, 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 various sectors. So many industries or many businesses will be able to move across different borders and partner with uh, uh, the government there to provide uh, uh, particular services. Any shortcomings perhaps uh, within the African continental free trade area as it is anticipated to be an efficient and effective system, what is the role of the African Union Commission in sustaining ratification procedures and sealing transparency within uh, the African continental free trade area? We have seen Nigeria, one of the leading economies in Africa, surprisingly lagging behind. Jacob? Derek, let me start by saying uh, the African Continental Free Trade Agreement is not a perfect agreement. 
but it is a, a, a step towards the right direction. I would mm-hmm. say a major step towards the right direction. Of course, there are certain shortcomings when it comes to the agreement. Uh, and the shortcomings also come from the fact that uh, member states uh, uh, have been a little bit protective in their negotiations. Uh, many member states have, uh, are afraid that this agreement will open up their markets too much, thus making the domestic industry, uh, making it difficult for the domestic industry. So uh, they've negotiated with uh, their cuts, a lot of their cuts to the chest, uh, and they've not been very, very, very open uh, with their negotiations as uh, we had expected. But at the end of the day, uh, a lot has been achieved with the agreement and a lot of access has been opened up. Uh, you mentioned Nigeria. Of course, Nigeria, that was the biggest problem of Nigeria. Nigeria had uh, yes. found it. Uh, Nigeria had, uh, the Nigerians were, 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 were afraid or still expressed fear that this uh, agreement is going to affect their domestic industry a lot. But they have come around because uh, recently the the the, uh, the minister of trade in, in Nigeria uh, stated that a commission will be created for the ratification of, of to, uh, to commence ratification domestic ratification procedures of the agreement, uh, and they've also uh, been able to understand that it is not only going to uh, it is not uh, it's going to improve the Nigerian economy more than it's mm-hmm. affected uh, negatively. Africa at large is witnessing the vast development of influential small online economies. Are the trading of goods and services going to transpire within the same modalities? On what level are rural or remote areas to benefit from accessibility through the intensification of information, communication, technology, and digital platforms? Bill? Well, uh, digitization and ICT integration for rural communities to benefit from our trade policy is a vision, but the reality on the ground is different. Mm-hmm. Access to uh, internet in Africa is still very, very low, and therefore the rural communities or the indigenous people in the rural communities will definitely not be beneficial to the initial stages of the continental free trade agreement. However, the long-term policy and the plan and the objective is that when we grow beyond our industrialized um, urban areas, some of the benefits of the uh, economic growth through the trade uh, agreement will spill out onto the rural areas in each community, in each country. Mm-hmm. But immediately, it's not possible to integrate the rural communities into the framework of the free trade agreement immediately. Expanding more on ICT and digitalization and their capacity to conceal online trade, especially in services, how do you think this will affect the free trade area? Uh, Derek, I totally agree with your uh, approach that the trading goods and trading services are totally different. So um, uh, trading services, uh, it's uh, conducted in four main ways. So there are four main modes of trading in services. One of the modes of trading in services is what they call cross-border trade. Uh, the, the second mode is called consumption abroad or, uh, or consuming products, uh, consuming a service directly abroad. The third mode is uh, commercial presence, so setting up an establishment or company in another country to provide the services. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth, mo- the fourth mo- mode is um, the actual temporary movement of, of persons from of natural persons from one uh, country to the other to provide a service. So the the, the trade in services when it, when when commit uh, as I mentioned earlier when uh, in the conversation or in the interview um, when negotiating trade in services states 
do what they call uh, a commitment. They, they negotiate schedules of commitments where they identify various sectors like the finance sector, the banking sector, the insurance sector, the construction sector, and they make specific commitments mm-hmm. on how these sectors, on how much market access they'll be opening up. Many of these countries will be opening up that sector. They will be making sure that in their negotiation of uh, in their specific commitments, they will be able to open up cross-border supply of digital services to different parts of Africa in order to ensure that there is uh, uh, financial benefit in all, all parts of the country. Still on the new world forms, it's quite undebatable that the ICT and digital spheres will require a new vigorous and vibrant force to execute. To what degree will the integration of youth and women capacity development and sustainable management in modern trading systems combat inequalities? Jacob? This this initiative is meant to be all inclusive. Yeah, there's no doubt about the fact that uh, African women um, and uh, the youth have uh, been disproportionately affected uh, uh, when it comes to economic development in Africa or economic empowerment. So uh, a study that was uh, commissioned by the UN Women uh, has identified uh, certain uh, 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 policies that African member states need to take into consideration when they will be operationalizing uh, the, the continental free trade agreement. So they will have to um, make sure that women are brought, um, more women are given an opportunity to get into the global, into the uh, uh, supply chain, into the value chains. They will also have to empower uh, uh, women uh, 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 entrepreneurs, uh, whether they are small and medium-sized enterprises or in the sector of agriculture, which is, uh, yes. as we well know, most of our African women are in the agricultural sector. They will have to be uh, empowered and, and they will have to be leveraged in order for them to be competitive in the, in the, in, in the international markets. Let's wrap up with unpacking this somewhat ambitious discussion point. Is the United States of Africa possible in the light of such developments in trade? What could impede or hinder such integration in the short and long run? And how can efforts to cultivate intra-African trade be bolstered? Bill? Uh, thank you for this very important question. Uh, I don't think the United States of Africa is possible simply because we don't have a nice language. We don't have one language. It's only possible to have a United States of America because they speak only one language. Imagine the number of languages they speak in Africa, each country. So being in the United Continent is impossible in that aspect. But policy-wise, it can be a harmonized continent. Yes. The United States of Africa politically, as Dr. Kwame Nkrumah wished for, is not possible, unfortunately. We should really be dreaming towards that kind of United States of Africa, but we should be dreaming towards an Africa that is homogeneous, that is one that is solid in policy, economy, and politics, that will expedite the growth of the continent and the EU to have a future to hope for. Jacob? The, the United States of Africa is uh, it's something that's very possible in the long run, but it would uh, require a lot of political will on uh, all uh, African leaders to to push negotiations towards uh, this direction. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, the African Continental Free Trade Agreement is a really good stepping stone towards uh, this uh, idea because uh, the, uh, it's already creating a freedom of movement of goods, uh, services and uh, persons and capital across the continent, uh, almost eliminating borders across the continent, which is the most important thing to create um, a United States for Africa. Jacob and Bill. 
Thank you so much for affording us your opinion. It was a pleasure to discuss with you, Derek. Thanks for having me today. You're welcome, Derek. It's an honor and uh, the privilege to be a guest of yours here. And uh, we've all learned a lot. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person. And we have come to that part of the show where the end is inevitable. By the same token, are we not living in an age where the informal must be formalized at all costs and the formal realized? Whether you trade in goods or services, Africa looks to you to serve for the good. If we all unite in acknowledging that we are here to make things right, we will change a lot the moment we say yes. A lot more than what the ballot can do for us. For doing it right is the African way. Join me again next week same time as we explore the structure beneath the structure right here on African Insight. My name is Derek Mazarura and it's bye for now. <laughs>